1: Or you get your money back so next time you're shopping for the family look for delicious kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning
2: shop now in store or online kroger fresh for everyone you know that feeling when you walk into your home take a deep breath and feel new
3: This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSN, the Sports Betting Network.
4: All right, it is Sharp Money as we welcome you back. Our 3, Wednesday. That means Scott Spritzer, professional handicapper, DocSports, DOCSports.com. Scott wins with two T's on Twitter. Jared Smith in today and tomorrow. Dustin Sweetelson and I'm Patrick Maher. News as we welcome you back. So, Otani started what Otani does. The Angels right now up 3 nothing on the Reds. He struck out two batters in the top of the first, and then he hit his major league leading 44th home run in the bottom of the first but he's been yanked, Jared. I don't mm. know what the injury is, but you mentioned it, and it's an that point, not just as a pitcher, but he was yanked as a DH as well. He's been yanked as a pitcher in the past and left into bat. Yeah. That's not the case. Otani out against the Reds. Yeah, and I'm relying a lot on some secondhand stuff. We just had
5: Scott pop in and, and say he got a text on the ride over that said it looked pretty significant, and I, I trust his people more than I trust me not even seeing what happened. So just that Alone at face value is scary enough, and I think the indicator that it is serious is is what you just said. When when he had the the blister problem a few weeks ago, he stayed in the game to hit. So the fact that he's not, I think, tells you exactly um, what you need to know about that situation. And it, you know, it, it just like the Angels aren't you know kicking themselves to begin with for not trading him at the deadline, considering how the team has uh, played since that point. Now it's even more of a a upsetting situation, but uh, obviously we hope he's okay.
4: Um, But it does not look good for Shohei, at least today. The message, I believe, came from Mr. Smoke and Koken. So another legend texted Scott Spreitzer to let you know about the Otani news. Obviously, out of it in division, out of it at the wild card. They made the decision. Jared, you were discussing during the break not to move on from Otani. Maybe comes back to bite him. But, Scott, first off, we welcome you. It's great to see you. And Otani out here yanked on his start and as a DH.
6: Yeah, by the way, it's good to work with Jared. I've, I've worked with him a couple of times, but never on air. I don't think we've worked together, have we? Uh, side we did by a couple, should, not, never in person. Right, it's always been. We, a, we had that
5: awkward. We we did a, the Goodell or the uh, you know the Joe Buck uh, uh, handshake yes. from the other night. <laughs> that's Brad, right. With, that's right. With the, uh, with the Washington <laughs> owner Harris. Right. That was my favorite. Do you know how many text messages I got by the way that said,
6: <laughs> "Hey man, the uh, operations GM or whatever he's called uh, of, of the uh, of, you know they, they basically said it comes out it looks like he's been down on a few before he got into the box. Oh yeah. <laughs> at, uh, I love the look that, I love the look that Troy Aikman gave. Oh, when, on the, on the, smile he's almost great. trying to you know, try not to laugh at that handshake. I need but, a uh, zoom
5: in of Troy's smirk when yes. that was going on. <laughs> that, that was pretty funny.
6: But as far as uh yeah, show you, you know, it's funny cause uh coconut and I text each other. I mean, for as long as we've been able to text, we text each other probably 20 <laughs> times a day. It's scary. I think I talked to him more than I talked to my wife throughout the course of a 24-hour period. Uh, but uh, anyway, I was on my way here and, and uh, got out of the car because he had texted, and I looked down and I see Shohei's out. His velocity was way down earlier, and mm-hmm. it looks like something significant. The trainer took him off the field, and then uh, he said he's not even batting. And we do know, as as we were talking about like with Dustin off air, is that even when he was taken out with you know, fingernail problem or blister problem, they kept him in as a hitter. Yeah. And, you know, I was kind of saying, Patrick, to Jared, uh, before we came on the air, that if I'm a mid-level team, if I'm kind of a middling team, there's no way I'm paying Shohei the kind of money he's going to command if he's not seriously injured in the offseason. And it's nothing to do with Otani, maybe the best all around baseball player we've ever seen ever. Uh, but the bottom line is is if you don't have at least two more pitchers, assuming he can give you all those starts that he has with the Angels, if you don't have two more starting pitchers and a decent bullpen, you're not going anywhere whether you've got Otani or not. Just look at the Angels since he's been there. Mm. Maybe the greatest player of all time and they go nowhere every single year because they've got no bullpen. Uh, the starters stink. As Jared kind of said off air, You know, their best pitcher right now is Reed Detmers if Otani goes down and you know, he's either going to throw a one-hitter or he's going to give up eight runs in two innings. It's just, it's a mess at Anaheim. It, it stinks for those of us who like to go down to Anaheim and, and watch a few games from time to time.
5: I saw John Hammond tweet out arm fatigue. But, okay. but that's but again, that seems like a very early prognosis considering this just happened 10 minutes ago. Um, it, and to, to me, when you look at this team long-term, I mean, how, how do you even come back from that, just from a organizational standpoint, unless Mike Trout graduates back to the hero that we all think he could be. Yeah. It just, it, it because the assumption, it's almost like common knowledge at this point that Otani's going to be gone next year. And, and that angels team has to completely start from scratch.
6: They do. And they're going to have to figure out how to fill those seats. They've been filling for the last couple yeah. of years. I just got another text from Koken just to uh kind of reiterate what you said there. He said, arm fatigue, they're hitting for him. Uh, they haven't said if he's going to be played at the nightcap tonight. So, well, uh, I would we'll hope him. not
5: at this point. I <laughs> mean, yeah. no, For no his, chance. Do him a favor and let <laughs> yeah. him sit. You know, do him a no. favor and
6: let him sit. Doubleheader today because
5: of the rain out earlier this week because yeah. of the hurricane, yeah.
4: Let's go around the horn with the four of us. Where do you think he ends up next year, Otani? Now, Sage baseball fans and Sage Angel fans would have been okay if Moreno and the organization had moved on at the trade deadline. Jared, you were highlighting during the break how idiotic it was for them to hold the player. Now he would have been killed the owner of the angels. If he moved on from Otani, that's just the way fans work. It was the sage move to do so. They didn't, they kept them They're out of it. Where do we think he ends up? Jared, we'll start with you.
5: I'll say this. If we rewind 25, 30 years to when George Steinbrenner's running the Yankees, he's camping out in front of Otani's mansion and, (laughs) and, and begging him to sign with the Yankees. The fact that, Hal Steinbrenner, who runs the organization a little more like like Disney World these days, more about the bottom line, doesn't really care about putting those big names, free agents back in the Yankees pinstripes. I am going to eliminate the Yankees from this. I would say Mets. I would say probably a you gotta throw the Dodgers in there, even though I just I that would to me be of an embarrassment of Riches. But I think the leader in the clubhouse has to be the Mets.
6: Okay. Fair enough. Scott Spreitzer. Otani next year I'm not a Dodger fan when I allow myself to be a fan I'm a Halo fan forgive me I was a Cardinal fan growing up in the Midwest I still am a Cardinal fan so I got the Cardinals in the NL I've got the uh, Angels in the AL yeah it's been a pretty tough year as a fan (laughs) but but I'll tell you what you know I'm not a Dodger fan but I'm hoping he stays out of the West Coast so my hope and there is a chance is that he does end up in Los Angeles with the Dodgers um I would think that it's between the Yankees, the Red Sox, and the Mets. Red I would Sox think those three makes teams.
5: sense too, but I'm, as a Yankees fan, I kind of hope that doesn't happen.
4: <laughs>
6: the, correct answer.
4: the correct answer is the Dodgers. He's yeah, going to stay I, West Coast. I think Coast it's impossible that they're
6: does. not going to be yeah. in it. They That's have to be to in it. it. Yep. He, he's got go to a a place. He's go to a place where he knows they got a chance to win some games. I mean, all he's got to do is look at his <laughs> buddy, <laughs> buddy Mike Trout. He's I want to
5: hear Dustin's
7: answer.
6: Uh-oh. What do go we ahead, got? you are you going to throw a wild I card wa-
5: team
7: at us? I have a wild card team. I love your wild cards. Uh cuz everyone knows I can't just go with the norm. The Dodgers <laughs> feels too obvious and It does. and he doesn't seem like the traditional guy that like we're just assuming he wants to just go to the Dodgers and like maybe he wants something different. I I want him on the Mets. I do not th- think he ends up it's on the Mets. It's going to be a
5: blank check and, from and Steve Cole. It
7: doesn't matter. For his sake, I hope he's never has to put on a Mets uniform. No one <laughs> else should have to suffer like I've suffered my entire life. I, here's the team that I think is going to do it. And I think it makes sense because they need that next generation for that next run. The San Francisco Giants. I like that. I can get behind them. I think they need yeah. that next run yeah. to gear up, build around him, obviously kills two birds with one stone. But, re- stone, but remember last offseason, they almost signed Arson Judge. Remember no, the Arson, Arson Judge? Judge.
5: <laughs> what about – hold on. How about another wild card? What about Seattle? See, I, everything West Coast is in play. Everything on the West Coast Especially is in play. Especially, what if they make a run this year? Like, they go to the ALCS, and they're, like, on the doorstep. What about Oakland before the move to <laughs> Vegas? Now, that would be a headliner <laughs> right there. Imagine Otani on the bright lights of the facade in front of the
6: Flamingo. I can get behind that, right? Hey, I'm listen, I heard, just brought up. I heard Gene go Simmons ahead, is selling his mansion out here, so, you know, we could put him in there. <laughs> not make them pay a penny and, and have them here when the Oakland A's oh, move man. here. But uh, yeah, I've heard, heard San Francisco Spritzers. a few times. Yeah. I'll donate some money, Patrick, if that's what you were getting to. I'll, I'll I heard this. Him, no, know.
4: I heard the Spritzers <laughs> were putting in a bid for Gene Simmons' crib. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I heard. Hey, yeah, the actual crib. Do, that's about the, it. The three, the three of you can help us nationally. So there, the conversation nationally hasn't quite reached peak as far as what's happening with F1 in Las Vegas, but you three are dealing with it. Can somebody explain Scott? We'll start with you. What the hell is happening with the traffic and the construction? There's just been a lot of complaining out of Vegas with F1. It's been become such a popular sport. What is happening?
6: I'm not a negative dude, but I'm going to sound like it here. If somebody's tuning into me for the first time, I am not a fan of this race coming <laughs> here. I'm not a fan of open wheel racing F1 racing. I mean, my gosh, you know, the people that are spending all kinds of money are going to go there. They're going to see about a hundred feet of track. In all likelihood, most of them. And if you look at each other wrong, two drivers side by side, your car's out of the race for the rest of the day. You've got a million cautions, and on top of that, you got this traffic nightmare in and around the nightmare. strip.
5: Nightmare. That's
6: going to end probably the night before you know, the race. Nightmare traffic. I, I I don't like anything about it. I really don't. And uh, you know, I just again, I I went to an open wheel race a couple of times. I went to one at the speedway. Obviously not F one, but Indy car, whatever it was. Left about, oh gosh, maybe 20 miles into it, if that, because I think in 20 miles, we had about an hour of delay, you know, because again, cars look at each other. There's no rubber. or racing stuff going on out there. And then I went to a, a Grand Prix or whatever you want to call it a street race out here with the open wheels. And we bought nice seats, nice tickets. And we saw, I'm going to say 20 yards of track. And after about 30 minutes, we just left. We you know, it's like this is ridiculous. I'm watching two cars go by. Oh, wait, 30 seconds later, here's another car. Ten seconds later, and you here's don't another even car. know who's in the lead. Like it's yeah, like it's you, crazy. So well, I'm not for this. At
5: traffic-wise, all. you're talking to someone for the last 10 years before I lived here. I lived in New York City, and then I also lived in Jersey City and Hoboken. So I would commute into New York City through the Lincoln Tunnel and the Holland Tunnel on the regular. The traffic is is on that stretch of 15 mm-hmm. where they're taking the lanes down, and on the strip itself where they're making like four lanes too, it reminds me of that. It's a mess. That is New York City peak traffic Holland-Lincoln Tunnel. It is giving me flashbacks to that. (laughs) That's how crazy it is.
7: Have you been impacted, big guy? Not generally impacted. The only impact that's really annoyed me about it is that my dad is an F1 fan, and all he keeps (laughs) doing is every conversation ends... You, so you're sure you don't know anyone with a hookup <laughs> for tickets? Because they start at $500. And, and I'm And like, Dad, I
4: don't know anyone. Please stop. I don't even think <laughs> the people who know people know people for this race. That's how exclusive it is. Tickets start at $500? Dustin just texted me for these F1 race? That's ridiculous. Okay, interesting. Scott Sprites are in studio. Sharp money. We're going to come back with some week one plays in the NFL.
0: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret.
3: This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network.
4: Okay, let's see if Scott Spritzer looks over his shoulder when I do this read. <laughs> Legendary sports better, Billy Walters, <laughs> recently sat down with Brent Musburger. Everybody gets nervous when the name is mentioned to discuss his new book, especially the bookmakers. Uh, Gambler, Secrets from a Life at Risk. Now, for a limited time, this is cool. So, if you sign up for a VEASAN Pro annual subscription yearly, you're going to get a free copy. And the copies are hard to come by. People are buying this like crazy. But you have to use the promo code Billy, B-I-L-L-Y, you get an entire year of VEASAN Pro access to our daily best bet season prep betting guides 24-7 video and pro tools like our exclusive betting splits but you have to remember to use the promo code Billy when you sign up for the VEASAN Pro annual subscription VEASAN.com slash subscribe you get a copy of the book at I just heard that our buddy Jared Smith who's sitting in on Sharp Money, you started the audiobook. I'm I did. told Billy reads it and Correct. he's got a cool southern accent. I believe he's from Louisville. Is this the case?
5: Factual on all accounts. So I listen to all of my podcasts including audiobooks at 1.2 speed. So it's it's brisk and you also do get the the upbringing, which was very interesting. Like I, I watched Brent's interview yesterday, which I think was a good surface level to what the book is. And then the deep dive. I mean, I didn't know anything about his history and and his his childhood in Kentucky, growing up with his grandmother, and um, uh, you know his his starts as a pool shark in, in in you know the country roads of Kentucky. It was a very interesting uh, start. But I'm only about three chapters in, so I've got obviously a lot more work to do. But I, fascinating, fascinating story so far. <laughs>
4: Yeah, professional handicapper Scott Spritzer in studio, and Scott would never toot his own horn. But when Scott was just a kid, he was hosting the Stardust, which is legendary back in the day. He knows all the figures, but the one, the white whale, was always Billy Walters, and it, it's just fascinating. He's kind of he's doing interviews now, Scott. Yeah. He's getting his name out there. He was so covert and low key, and that was his key to getting down and manipulating the line if you will i'm sure you'll read about it in gambler uh but the book is out uh, are you going to read or listen, Mr. Spritzer?
6: I'm going to give it a read. I wish it would have come out a month ago, though, before football season. <laughs> but I am going to sit down and, and I'll be reading this. I, I tend to, yeah, as everybody knows who's listening to this show, you know, I'm up until 3 or 4 a.m. every night. And uh, usually the final 90 minutes of that, I'm watching something on one of the streaming networks. And right now I'm watching Damages from 10 years ago. Great show. Oh. But in, you know, when I'm done with that, I'm switching to Billy Walters. I'm nice. going to kick back and read the book. And uh, I'm sure there will be some... Some rumors that will be confirmed as real and some, you know, rumors that will be confirmed as just that rumors from all these years of being out here. But, you know, we called him, you know, in affectionately the ghost back then because you really never saw Billy Walters, you know, around town in the 90s. When I was hosting the Stardust show, it was Lim Banker, you know, was the big name around town. Wow. And, uh, and he would come into the Stardust once in a while and, and pop on with us from time to time but I've never had a chance to sit down in 30 years of doing this stuff in Las Vegas to sit down and talk to Billy
0: on a, on a wow. show.
6: And I know Brent did. And I, I'm going to go back and listen to that. I, it was a good a, hour you know, and I'll go back and listen to that in the next couple of the nights before I read the book. But uh, yeah, Billy was, uh, you know, tough to track down. I would say back in those <laughs> days. And you know, it's funny you mentioned he was playing pool and that's how he got started, which I can't read. Uh, can't wait to read about that. Uh, there's been a few guys of that generation Uh, Jim Feist being one of them who started their whole thing by playing pool around the country, you know, just going to the pool halls and, and playing and winning money, you know? And, and uh, so it's kind of one of those things where I never really played a lot of pool. I dated a girl from Southeast Asia that used to run the table. So when we would team up you know, back in the nineties, I just sat back and had a drink and let her do her thing, you know? So, you know, but a lot of these guys got that start in pool halls, the pool shark. shark,
5: I, I, I think the psychology of his vibe and how he treated the betting world, I think. And again, I'm only a few chapters in, so I have a lot more deep diving to do. But I'm always fascinated with the psychology of a gambler because, to me, that your numbers can your numbers are your numbers. But the no fear mentality and how he used and this was from the pool shark, uh, you know, a chapter how he used other people's fear as a weapon for him. Sure. To me, it like it, Really, really interesting stuff, and I don't care about what he grades certain teams, and the the psychology of who he is is what made him so successful, and I think that's what I hope to glean the most from this book. The
6: funniest part of this, Patrick, I was just going to say, is like when I was working in the National Sports Services offices, I used to go in the office until about, I don't know, 2006 or seven, and we'd be sitting there on a college basketball Saturday morning, and I think I might have mentioned this a little bit last week. But the numbers would pop. You would see, you know, Arkansas taking on, uh, you know, Memphis or something. Arkansas, three-point favorite. All of a sudden, they're four and a half. And we'd be sitting there, should we pull the trigger? I don't know. Should we get, did Billy just move that? Is he moving it to buy it back? (laughs) And so we're like, you know, it was crazy because people would call into us, you know, and we're just into our offices. And they would say, hey, is that a real move? Is that Billy? And it's funny how he affected people's thinking, even sports bettors back then. Was that a move? Was that a real move? Is Billy going to manipulate the line and buy it back? And, you know, you don't even know if he was manipulating the line in that game. It was just one of those things that was kind of funny about 20 years ago, the way people reacted to the line movement, knowing what Billy might be doing.
4: Yeah, the manipulation, the puppeteering of the market by Billy Walters is fascinating. Don't you guys find it fascinating in a venture or a vocation like sports betting where it's impossible literally and figuratively to come up with a consensus. The consensus is the greatest of all time is Billy Walters. Jim Feist would admit it. Scott Spreitzer, Steve Fezzik, uh, Even Wayne Root back in the day. You want to keep going deep with these names. (laughs) Koken would admit it. All the dudes that have made their living, which is an impossibility. There's only a select few. And Scott is one of them off of sports betting to all come together with egos and say, yeah, he's unquestionably the GOAT. That's fascinating to come that consensus, no?
6: Yeah, and you asked me last week questions, and it is a sense of the godfather. And I don't mean that in a bad way. He is the godfather. He is the yeah. oracle, if you want to call him that. Oh, I like that. And, and it's a situation where I can sit here and no disrespect to anybody that's been in this business for the last 40 or 50 years and talk to them and feel comfortable. And Billy walks in the room and I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm there with a the Hall of Famer, a real legitimate Hall of Famer. And there's just a sense of respect that comes from that. And so, yeah, I mean, it's it's funny. It's like, and again, that's no disrespect to the guys I've known for 30 years plus. Uh, yeah, it's just a no. situation that I don't know. Billy's just maybe because he was a little bit aloof when it came to his, you know, living in Las Vegas. No but, fear, but just the no fear. And and I I could sit down there, and I I I can get you know diarrhea of the mouth sometimes <laughs> when I'm talking to people. If I sat down with, for two hours with Billy Walters, I I would bet that I would say no more than. It's a great day to be able to meet you and shake your hand and then sit back for the next hour and 58 minutes and listen to the guy talk. So, so well, you can exactly. do that for
5: 10 and a half hours. Cause that's how long the audible book is. So. <laughs>
4: <laughs> at at 1.2, you're probably eight hours, but you're close. <laughs> there you go. Get, get a free copy of the book. Gambler secrets from a life at risk. You sign up. vison.com slash subscribe. Okay. We were talking about the Steelers. You do have a play. Now this number open three week one with the 49ers in Pittsburgh, it's now two and a half. So I'll be curious to get your take. Obviously the key number of three, Um, but overall, we can start now with the Steelers and come back and continue to discuss. Eight and a half, you go over, it's $1.40 at DraftKings. A brutal division, but it is Mike Tomlin. Kenny Pickett, year two. A lot of talent offensively. Jared mentioned the cohesion across the offensive front. TJ Watt healthy. Let's get an overview from you, Scott, on the Pittsburgh Steelers.
6: Yeah, I mean, this is a team that I, I know they're in the tough division. I get that, but sticking with Billy Walter's theme of let's just have no fear... I think the Steelers are going to go over that total this year of eight and a half and you can get what I see plus a dollar 25 to make the playoffs. That doesn't scare me off a little bit either And uh, I do think this is going to be an improved football team. First of all, I love teams that have identities for a long time. Who's had an identity like the Pittsburgh Steelers when you go from, you know, guys like Chuck Noll to Cowher to Mike Tomlin? I mean, they just know who they are and what they want to do. And Tomlin just wins year in, year out, even if he doesn't make the postseason. I don't want to overreact to what we saw so far because it was preseason, but they're doing what I thought they could do this year with that offensive line, especially if you go back to – preseason week number one it's been somewhat of a weakness the last few seasons it was even a weakness the last couple of years that big ben was at quarterback it's now a potential strength i like this offensive line for the steelers and I think they're going to be much improved there as far as I'm concerned. Uh, they're big at wide receiver. I love the fact they're big at wide receiver. They've got a great tight end in Friar They've got Najee Harris. I mean, you're just looking at one thing after another where I think this team is going to be improved over last year. If T.J. Watt, and I got my hands together like I'm praying here because you know what I did with this team. If T.J. Watt can stay healthy, this defense is going to be really tough. Uh, so it's a situation where I do believe they're going to be improved, and I'm telling people right now, if, if you want to, you know, jump on the Steelers, I have no problem with eight and a half wins. I think they get to 10 this year.
5: Well, they're just such a well-run organization, and that's, that speaks to the, the streak of consecutive winning seasons. And then you just look at what they did in the draft. Offensive line was a strength, their first-round pick offensive tackle from Georgia. Defensive line was a strength. Their fourth-round pick, All-Big Ten, Russia, and Nick Herbig, who's looked fantastic in the preseason thus far, turning strengths into further strengths. I think just, obviously, Kenny Pickett's going to have a lot of impact with with how this win total shakes out. I'm a little more bullish on him than others. I think some of the metrics... We're kind based on his deep throw and, and completion percentage. So I, I'm, I'm with you, Scott. I think over. Be careful of week them. four
6: if they start three and zero. That's a scary spot right there hmm. against the Texans we'll on the road. It. Yeah, and then let's come
4: back and discuss that week one matchup in Pittsburgh, San Francisco in town, and then we'll get to the Titans Saints. Scott as a play on that week one matchup as well. Scott Spritzer in studio there at the South Point. This is Sharp Money. It's Vsin, the sports betting network.
3: This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network.
4: Okay, become a VEASAN Pro subscriber today and get a daily email recapping all the best bets from our show hosts and guests. You also get unlimited access to our VEASAN.com slash picks page sort by sport, matchup, event date, and more. Check the top VEASAN experts leaderboard to view betting records, profit, and ROI and see which VEASAN expert has the hot hand. For VEASAN Pro picks, betting splits, and power ratings, check it out. It's 19 bucks a month to start. VEASAN.com slash subscribe. It's VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Okay, Jared Smith, of course, Scott Spritzer in studio on a Wednesday. Doc Sports, DOCSports.com, handicapper, at Scott Wins on Twitter. And we were just discussing both Jared and Scott are high on Pittsburgh. That win total sitting at 8.5, $1.40 on the overall at DraftKings. Let's talk week one, which is a vacuum week as far as betting. Week one, all bets are off or literally on in our parlance here. Let's go Steelers. Open three in the spring, hosting San Francisco Bet down to two and a half. So you lost the key number if you do like Pittsburgh. Where are you on this matchup, Scott?
6: Yeah, I, I took the three in a while back. And uh, listen, I think they're going to win the game outright. And, and for me, it's one of those things where basically if I'm taking a dog of six or less, I, I got to feel that my team is going to win the game outright, whether I play the money line or not. I do believe they're going to win outright. Uh, it is down to two and a half, as you mentioned. We talked about the trenches. We talked about the offensive line a few minutes ago. We talked about their strength on the defensive front and, and of T.J. Watt excuse me, can stay healthy. It might be to me. And I don't think I'm the only one that has said this, but the best Steeler defense in a decade. And I really believe that if they stay healthy, they, every unit on defense has an elite defender on this football team. The athleticism is through the roof. And I really think that, you know, you've got a situation where Mike Tomlin's probably look at his chops to get to this season. If you watch those two preseason games, again, I don't like to make too much out of it, but they had two games where when their regulars or most of their regulars were in the game, they just did whatever they wanted to for the most part. A couple of you know glitches here and there, but I liked the way they looked. And one thing we didn't mention a few minutes ago is they've got the middle of the field covered, not just deep threats, not just middle of the field, but they've got both going into this year. I mean, when you talk about George Pickens, Miles Boykin, Calvin Austin, big targets. These guys are 6'3, 6'4. I mentioned the tight end Friarmouth, who's, you know, gonna cover the middle a little bit, but you've also got receivers who are big enough to challenge defenders when they're trying to get that first down on third and six. When they're catching a pass, they're gonna lower their shoulder and go for it. So I really, you know, I I I I'm I'm a big Mike Tomlin fan. I've never been a Steelers fan if you take the bets out of the mix, <laughs> but I've been a Tomlin fan. I'm going to be a Pittsburgh fan this year because I think they're going to move some people off the line of scrimmage on both sides of the line of scrimmage, and and I like their, um, I, I just like their their talent that they have at the skill positions. So uh, you know you got a young quarterback, but I think he's in a great spot right now, and, I, and I like him over the Niners. By the way, I, I just I've heard a lot of good stuff about Brock Purdy, not just what we watched when he came into the uh, the line uh, the the starting lineup last year when the Niners got banged up at quarterback, and we saw what he did. I've also heard things from people that know Purdy. And the bottom line is, I think he's going to get the job done season long for the Niners if he doesn't get injured, if he's healthy. But I'm not ready to take him on the road against a team that really believes in what they're doing and has a coach who instills that kind of confidence also has that talent all around him. And I'm not even getting into the metrics here. I'm just talking regular stuff at this point. And I don't think he gets that win, especially laying a couple of points here still. So it was the Steelers for me at plus three.
5: Yeah, I think the thing with Pittsburgh – They're not a very sexy team, right? Like the flashiness maybe isn't there, but maybe we we, we really should reassess um, that narrative because I I do think there is some flashiness there. But... To me, it's more of a tighter window, right? The volatility isn't there because of the way that they're run. So whereas a Brock Purdy, maybe higher ceiling, lower floor, I think that is a lot tighter, maybe a little bit of a lower ceiling, but a much higher floor, I think, for the Steelers offense this year. That's why I'm comfortable betting a season long over with Pittsburgh. And I think especially, I mean, you look at the total there at 41 for that week one game, that is going to be one of the bigger or more enticing teaser spots of the week getting Pittsburgh through 3-7 and in a low total game at home with Brock Purdy on the road so I I totally back up that handicap and uh, based on what we've talked about during the show I think you've got a couple of uh, you know black and gold bleed uh, uh, handicappers here on set with the Steelers this year. <laughs> <laughs> We're at least black. in week one. I don't know. Yeah, at least in
6: week one. I, might, I can't remember. I'll, I'll let you know after uh, Sunday, September 10th, if I need the following Wednesday off. So, <laughs> Uh, but I'll let you know if I'm going to be. I'm
4: kidding. Neither of you have a terrible towel, do you?
6: If you I don't do, know, you start and, and, and it. the
4: J- and the Steelers have caused me
6: so much heartbreak. The Jets had a chance
5: to go to the Super Bowl a few years ago, and of course the Steelers made sure that didn't happen. So.
6: I've hated the Steelers. I was a Vikings fan growing up, Patrick, yeah. and so Not a I've hated Steelers the Steelers guy. since you know uh, 16-6 Super Bowl, whatever that was, where Pittsburgh beat Minnesota, and everybody around me was a Pittsburgh fan, and I was probably. You know, ready to punch the TV as an 8-year-old or 9-year-old or whatever I was. So I'm not a Steelers fan, yet I'm coming out and saying I like this team as far as betting, the betting perspective is concerned.
5: We don't have allegiances anymore once we Never. put on the, the handicapper no. jacket. Love the, the league,
4: don't it. have a team. <laughs> well, I used to love the Houston Oilers, Jack Pardee <laughs> and Warren Moon back in the day. Then they moved to Tennessee. Let's go to Tennessee at New Orleans to open up the season. Now, this is interesting because I believe you're on Tennessee here yeah. catching... The important number, obviously, we're talking threes. Everybody's showing three. However, if you like Tennessee, you can find a a three-and-a-half right now at DraftKings. So DraftKings is New Orleans laying three-and-a-half. So Tennessee, I believe that's the side you're on, Scott, week one, and you can get the hook over at DraftKings.
6: Yeah, and this one's kind of gone in the other direction, like you said, at a couple of the books, including DraftKings by half a point, as opposed to where Pittsburgh went going down. But I did jump on Tennessee in week one. You know, they were hamstrung by injuries. Uh, as much as anyone in the league last year, especially over those final seven weeks of the season. You can remember Mike Vrabel had this team at 7-3 and before the injuries took their toll. I think the Saints are getting quite a bit of love over the summer and so far in preseason, but I'm not yet truly confident in Derek Carr. Great guy, no doubt about it. Great teammate. I have problems with some of the passes and decisions he makes in key spots when he's driving in the other team's territory in the third and fourth quarter. We saw him make some strange decisions at times when he was playing with the Raiders. I'm not sure he shakes that uh, in his first few games with the New Orleans Saints. I do believe the Saints potential improvements are going to be there, but I think it's going to take some time. And while I'm not the first to make note of it, it's certainly worth repeating uh, Mike Vrabel teams as a head coach, 21, nine and one against the spread when getting at least three. Yeah, uh, Dennis Allen of the Saints, 21, 31 and one against the spread overall. Cashing just 33% as a favorite against the spread. I took the points here. I, I I don't get into all that trend stuff too much, but if it's a coach who has numbers like that, it does make a difference to me. And again, I just think that in week one, Tennessee is the better team than the New Orleans Saints.
5: Mm. Brable as a dog has been a really nice trend over the years. So when I examined the Saints offseason, the offensive line really jumped out to me to the downside. So you've got Trevor Penning, who's who's basically a rookie because he only played six games last year. You need him to hold up at left tackle. you got veteran Ryan Ramchak, who I would say above replacement level at right tackle. So I think the bookends, you could question Penning because we really haven't seen much of him. And I think Ramchak, you're going to get, I think, some solid production out of him. Cesar Ruiz has been a huge disappointment at right guard, and he was a first-round pick recently, Two, uh, out of Michigan in 2020. Then you get Eric McCoy, who comes back at center, played 13 games last year, graded out below average in both run and pass blocking, and committed a team-high five penalties. So the interior of that offensive line, I think, is very shaky. And then the left guard, Andrew Pete missed 17 games over his last two years, has never played a full season in his ter- entire career. Left tackle, injury, first-round pick, high expectations, maybe a little bit below. Center, injured, banged up, below expectations. Guard, Injured, so to me, the offensive line consistency for a guy like Derek Carr who who likes to push the ball down the field, who needs time to throw, might be an issue this year. That's the one negative I can find. But some of the other positive, I think their defense is going to be okay. And I do like what they did um, you know, with their overall scheme. We'll see what Alvin Kamara's absence will mean those first few weeks. I think they'll be okay with Jamal Williams. But they're relying a lot on Michael Thomas. And I think that really scares me too. I like what I've seen from A.T. Perry so far, the rookie out of wake. But I could certainly poke a lot of holes in the Saints, especially offensive line heading into week one.
4: And then the inverse, no expectations this year for the Titans. D Hop ends up surprisingly going there. I think the defensive yeah. front's going to be very good. I kind of they're in a sneaky good spot, Scott. The Titans coming into the year.
6: I think they are. You know, I'm, I'm. I wasn't ready to jump on them and play them over their wins total quite yet. And and maybe I will, but I wouldn't play it under. It would be over or nothing for me, which is kind of a change of where I was looking at this team. Let's say in June. And I just like what's being done. I, and again, I went back and looked at some of those injuries and where the metrics were for this team on both sides of the line of scrimmage last year, before the injuries really took their toll. So they're kind of flying under the radar, as you mentioned. And, uh, You know they won't be for long if they win this game in New Orleans because I know a lot of you know smart people who have been plunking their money down on the favorite in this one to move it from three to three and a half. I just don't happen to agree with them. I just saw Dustin going crazy. I'm guessing the Reds took the lead. Yeah, no, he's he hates (laughs) he he hates the Reds, so it might be that. What's up, Dustin?
7: Uh, So the the Reds were trailing three to one in this inning, and there was a two out error on a short throw from the shortstop to first, kept it going, put two runners on. And then Ellie De La Clu- Cruz made them pay for it. Three-run shot. It's only
5: the fifth inning, though. Reds you are got up a lot of bullpen three. with the Reds the still, to, still to go. A lot of outs left. <laughs> I'm, I'm plus 144 on nice. Cincy today. That's Come why back I'm happy. Right That's what I'm going to do there and
7: guarantee go. That's it. a
4: smart gambler right there, baby. Let's go. <laughs> hey, Scott, can you hang out for another segment? Sure. Okay, because you've got a Week 0 play uh, with navy and notre dame okay. i want to get to a first half play there in dublin and he always has so many notes and we just get <laughs> into talking and we never get to him so we'll come back with scott sprites our professional handicapper good job big guy with the reds thus far remember doc sports doc and scott wins with two t's on twitter we're back sharp money
3: This
4: is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Okay, throughout the NFL preseason, the VSIN experts are busy evaluating every team to give you the betting edge. Our updated NFL betting guide is due out later this month and will help you get ahead of the upcoming NFL season with picks from every on air host, team specific preseason analysis, how to use. VEASAN betting splits and football contest strategies. Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber today for as low as $19. Reserve your copy of the guide or take advantage of our football season special. Get access to everything we do through the Super Bowl for $199. You can sign up today. VEASAN.com slash subscribe. It's slash subscribe. Jared Smith, Dustin Sweetelson. I'm Patrick Maher. This is Sharp Money. Of course, Wednesday's the final hour. Scott Spritzer, professional handicapper. Scott wins on Twitter, DocSports. Check out the plays, docsports.com. Scott hanging around. We appreciate it for another segment. And I wanted to discuss week zero because everybody's showing 20 and a half. Remember Dublin, of course, a home game away from home for Notre Dame, Navy, Notre Dame. It's 20 and a half. Will, will we see the 21 is interesting. However, you have a first half play on Navy in this matchup, Scott.
6: Yeah, I'm sorry to the Dubliners who are going to go to this game, not the band, but the crowd, because you know they're probably not going to see an <laughs> onside kick uh, with a lead like Scott Frost did last year, so oh, that's boy. out the window. Anyway, having said that, uh, Tololo's out, and I'm, I bet you know I like Ken Tololo, And when he first left, yeah, you know, he was an assistant coach out here at UNLV for a while. And when he first got to Navy, he brought some great ideas. Uh, but I think you would probably agree if you talked to him that it was time to move on. And of course, they bring in the new uh, head coach, which is their former defensive coordinator Brian Newberry. Uh, he had the middies playing top shelf defense against the run. I mean, four years as DC, they finish in the top ten against the run in two of those four years. So I think the unit's sp- uh, going to be strong, especially uh, against the run. Talking about that D line with three starters back, two each at linebacker and in the secondary. So a lot of familiarity with this defensive side of the of the squad for Navy. Uh, the offense they keep saying going to have a similar look. Offensive line is strong. Uh, they're going to attack a little more through the air. They've got a two-headed quarterback situation where you got one guy who can run the football well, the typical Navy quarterback. And then you got another guy who's going to, if they need him to gain yardage through the air, they've got a good passing quarterback. So you're going to see both a runner and a passer in this game. That's a little bit tougher to prepare for, uh, relatively speaking. So maybe they can keep their Irish on their heels a little bit in that first half. I like the new OC for Navy. He's a fantastic ground game coach out of Kennesaw State. Dame's pretty loaded. We all know that on offense. And then they add Sam Hartman to the mix out of Wake Forest. Uh, the defense is going to need some work. I think they lose their top three defensive linemen. A little green in other areas on defense. Relatively experienced secondary, but there's a couple of spots in that secondary that's going to need to play together before they're at their best. Uh Navy almost pulled the upset, guys. Remember last year they were getting clocked? Yeah. They were down by 19. They came back and they lost by three. One or two plays could have changed the outright win. In that, they lost 35-32. I think they're going to play ball control out of the blocks in this game, Navy. And that strong offensive line going up against Dame's new defensive line, I don't want to say that Navy's going to be stronger in the trenches, but I think it can help them in the first quarter and a half or two to be able to keep this game close Uh, closer than most people expect. I I don't know if Navy can hang around through the full four quarters once Dame gets it together. And some of the new faces on defense are able to get up to snuff and play well with a a decent chemistry that they might not have when the game kicks off. So I, I took 12 with the middies in the first half. I think they hang around at least until halftime. I didn't want to get involved after that. Notre Dame could very well pull away and win this game by four touchdowns. But I think it's going to take a while to get to that point spread. So I thought 12 was fair. Jumped on it and grabbed it in the first half with the middies.
5: Yeah, i seen some of the offshores, 10, 10, and a half, 11. Westgate's still at 12, though, so that, that number is still available. It's come available. down a little bit. Yeah. It has, it's come down a little bit, okay. So I, I think that might be another interesting spot. It, it, weather and field conditions, I know with these games overseas can be a little dicey, any uh, any insight there? I saw that
6: it's supposed to rain, but it's not supposed to be like torrential. You know,
5: so you would imagine weather helps uh, Navy, right? Oh, I would think Bad so. Bad weather yeah. and slogging, yep. you oh, know, absolutely. getting off the ball yep. probably helps Absol- the middies. You yep. no well,
4: no talked about the run production 78% of the offensive line snaps production wise back, 84% of the rush yards for Navy back. So that should keep a minute. And the front seven's depleted for Notre Dame. Yep. You mentioned they lost their top three pressure creators. I, I think it's going to take a little bit for them to gel, but it's huge step up at quarterback and Hartman. Now, speaking of which wake forest, his former team, a little bit of a correlation here. You're going under the six and a half wins for wake forest this year.
6: Yeah. I was kind of surprised that this hasn't been talked about, um, by some handicappers and betters a little bit more. I, I think wakes in some trouble this year. Um, They got two starters back on the offensive line. I'm just kind of checking out their old line again to make sure that was it. Yeah, they got two starters back on the old line. The entire defensive line has to be replaced. As you mentioned, Patrick Hartman's gone on to South Bend, so they don't have his fantastic quarterbacking skills anymore. Uh, They have to replace their starting quarterback, their top receiver. The schedule isn't easy after September. Check it out. Road games at Clemson, Virginia Tech, Notre Dame to name a few. Home games include a game against Florida State. I think this team's going to have a rough time winning more than four games this year. So, again, I'm kind of surprised it's not a more popular play when I look at everything they have to replace. And, again, a a tough, tough schedule after the month of September. I'll say they win five games, so I liked under six and a half.
5: Mm. Anything else week Beautiful. zero that looks interesting too? I saw this total in Ohio San Diego State. I saw a trend, and, and trends are face value always interesting. But when the total's forty nine or forty eight or higher, I think it was in San Diego State games, it's like twenty three and five to the under. Yeah, insane I, under streak with San Diego State. Pretty high total for a, a you know Aztecs game.
6: Little ticked off of myself for not getting down on the Bobcats before it moved, mm. and it's dropped quite a bit. So I, I'm gonna see. I'll wait and see, but I might leave it alone. I do like Jack State over UTEP, mm. which is a pick 'em game. Mm. Uh, they're finally moving up to FBS. Very good FCS program. And guess who's the coach? Rich Rod. Yeah, They haven't had too many, you know, Rich Rodriguez sightings for a while. Uh, but I think... And they got a seventh-year quarterback, by the way, guys, <laughs> playing for Jacksonville State. Well, it, it's um, always interesting because the numbers you think
5: early on on a team like that were coming from the FCS, there was not as much data that was given to the sports
6: books compared to the sure.
5: FBS. Maybe yep. a little bit difficulty quantifying how good they are early on in I, the season. I think,
6: yeah, I, I think this is a... It, Seven to ten point win. It's a pick'em game. Probably a ten point win for Jack State. I think I just heard Dustin say he's on. Uh, me and Jonathan Von
7: Tobel have a steak dinner at Andiamo on it. I am on Jack State. Well, I hope you're well. That.
5: I'm on UTEP <laughs> over five and a half wins. So I would like to see UTEP <laughs> win, but I could still win that bet even if they lose sure. this first game. <laughs>
4: Ohio straight up winner in San Diego oh, state, easy. by the way. Okay. Oh, yeah. So that, I, shouldn't fear, is, I shouldn't fear, I shouldn't fear that
6: point spread move
4: that San Diego state with defense, which was freaking awesome last year is completely gutted. Ohio's going to have the best player in the quarterback yes. on the field. I think Ohio's offense, which returns all of its production is going to be really, really prolific. I like Ohio catching the two. Like you said, you're not getting the best of it at this point. Mm-hmm. And by the way, FIU law tech 42 34 last year, These two teams went well over 800 yards on offense. It did go to overtime, but Hank Bachmeyer in at La Tech. He's 24 years old. You guys know him, the Boise State kid. And Grayson James can sling it for FIU. I like this total over 58 and a half. Not expecting you guys to have an opinion, but
6: just throwing it out there. Week zero I, I is like always opinion. tough. I, I, I think yeah. week zero,
5: I mean, and NFL week one, too. I think these are the two toughest weeks. What, to do we got football. eight games
6: on Saturday, and I'll probably have Week two to one, college
5: football, too. It's just it, some of these numbers and some of these teams, we just have no idea.
6: I, I'm going to go check out that total when I get home today, though, Patrick.
4: <laughs> That's- are, you, are, are you prepared, Scott? It is... It's an avalanche. And those that don't know, we always joke about the nocturnal nature of one Scott Spritzer. I <laughs> I, I put my, I, I get my warm milk and cookies and put my little footies on at about 7, 7.30 p.m. I'm early to bed, early to rise. Scott is having lunch at 7 p.m. Basically. My man, he, he
6: turns out the light at
4: like 4 a.m.
6: So the oh, yeah. time you wake football up. Football season,
5: I, I usually, it's a grind for you. I
6: fall asleep 3, 34 o'clock in the morning. I get up about 10.30.
5: So you get six hours. A good
6: six hours is all I need. I think and, you six know.
5: hours is especially if you do something during the day. Like, I'm a napper. I, I get six hours, too, but yeah. I nap during the day. Like I'm going to go home nap, and nap yeah. after I wish show. I could
6: nap. Maybe another 10 years I'll be able to nap. But, yeah, I'm a, I'm a night guy. And, you know, the coolest thing about doing that Saturday night show last year with Matt Humans, we would get done at 9 p.m. every Saturday night. and I'd call the wife and I'd say, meet me at Echo and Rig for a steak. And so you know it's 9:45 at night. I think they closed at 10. They'd keep it open a little bit longer. <laughs> We're sitting there, you know. I'm looking at the 30 out steaks and the, you know, everything else that goes with it. At, you know, 10 o'clock at night on a Saturday night. Then I'd go home, have a cup of coffee or or you know what? a cappuccino, and start working on Sunday's updates. You know, and get done about three or four in the morning. So it's a it's a lifestyle. <laughs> it's not for everybody. Speaking it of lifestyle, lifestyle. Man, the lifestyle. big
4: guy, you mentioned naps, Jared. Hey, big guy, you, with the sleep apnea mask, if you were just to go home and take a nap, do you have to throw your mask on? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I
7: throw that thing. It's a hack, too. Here's the thing about it. If you think you have sleep apnea, you should go get tested because it could save your life. But also, when I get drunk, it cures my hangovers quicker. Because a lot of times your hangovers from not sleeping great because you're snoring... Put that thing on, limits the snoring. You're still hungover. Isn't there one that not you not can bad. put on the
5: inside? Now? Sounds like a horrible idea.
6: I do Woodford Reserve and never fail hungover. That, that, so maybe that's that what right I'm hands, talking you know? about. So or right. A hair on the
4: dog. <laughs> hey, by the way, news, just quickly. Corey, uh, Corey Davis is retiring Jets, but we also have QB2 officially announced for San Francisco, and that is Sam Darnold. So Trey Lance, number Bye three overall pick. He's going to get traded oh very God. soon, I think. It, uh, it, 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 who wants him will be the question, but you're right. I do think he gets traded. It's a different question. Jared Smith, we'll see you tomorrow. Great job, buddy. Appreciate you s- sitting in today. Thank you. Uh, Scott Spritzer. thank you so much. Doc you, Sports, Patrick. and of course, Scott Wins, and great job, Dustin Sweetelson. We'll see you tomorrow right here. Sharp Money, it's Sin the Sports Betting Network.